welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning, church. Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. As a brief reminder, God has given us the book of James to urge his children to live out your faith in a time and place where the things of this world are at war with the church and seeking to infiltrate it. More than once, we are called to cast off the wisdom and practices of our age and instead to put on the Lord Jesus Christ to conform our thoughts and actions to his standard of righteousness. But with that call to obedience, comes the ever-present reminder that it is God who brought us forth by the word of truth. He is the one who is saving us and changing us for His glory. This morning we will be studying chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, where James culminates much of his teaching with the warning that faith without works is dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking Him to help us as we wrestle with the text and apply it to our lives this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us as we study your word. Please, Lord, may your word pierce to the deepest parts of our heart. Would you not allow any sin or rebellion against you to remain uncovered? Please help us, Lord, and Spirit of God, please do a work in our church this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I met my wife for the first time, my life was devastated, turned upside down. It was a bit of a train wreck, and I was forever changed. I experienced a lot of new things, like feeling sick to my stomach when she just walked in the room, or sleepless nights. I also did a lot of new things. I would stand outside her dormitory in the middle of it while it's raining, getting soaking wet. I would, as a young man, buy flowers. Like, what teenager ever does that? And I started even to start loving other people as well from this new relationship. I started loving this somewhat random clan of people called her family. And I began to learn how to love another person as Christ loved the church. Because of this relationship, I was truly and forever changed. This morning, we will see that the genuine believer is also forever changed. Let's read the passage together, beginning in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The past two chapters have built up to this question, can that faith save? In chapter 1, we heard about a doubting or divided man, the one who claims Jesus but is still trying to love the world as well, pursuing sin until it reaches full maturity. 
We also heard about those who hear the word of God, but then never go out and do that which God calls us to. And then finally, in the first part of chapter 2, we were warned about the danger of claiming Christ, but then unrepentantly refusing to show mercy to another. With all these examples in the background of claims to faith, yet no evidence of a changed life, James asks, can that faith save? Can that kind of faith save you? The salvation James has in view is the same one he was talking about back in verse 12 and 13. It is our ultimate salvation from the wrath of God in the day of judgment, when Christ will return and judge all the nations. In verse 12, we learn that on that final day, we will be judged according to the law of liberty, the gospel. How did you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did you reject it wholeheartedly? Did you believe it as historically accurate, but never experience a change of heart or life? Or did you, in repentance and faith, cast yourself upon the mercy of Christ revealed in the gospel, which then led to a changed heart and life? Notice a change of heart and life are essential evidence of someone who claims to be born again, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And in verse 14, James asks the question, if someone claims to have faith, claims to be born again, but does not have works, this changed heart and life, can that kind of faith save you in the day of judgment? This is the question in view for the remainder of the chapter. And James is going to answer it through the use of a back-and-forth debate with a hypothetical third person. Let's see how he does this in verses 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here we see that faith without works is like empty words. In verses 15 and 16, James paints us a picture that by now should be very offensive to us. Because in the previous verses, we heard the admonitions to love your neighbor as yourself. Lift up the downtrodden, visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and recognize the poor in this world as those God has chosen to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. But in this picture, the opposite is happening. When a close member of the church family, a brother or sister in Christ, is found to be lacking in the most basic human needs, clothing and food, there is no outpouring of love, generosity, mercy, or compassion. Instead, as they stand there in rags, hunger gnawing at their body, all they receive is a passing greeting for the day. Have a great day, or hope things get better soon. This picture is supposed to offend us. It is supposed to point out the worthlessness of these words of greeting. They are insincere, ineffective, and empty. But in the same way, our faith is insincere ineffective and empty if it is not joined together in an inseparable bond with works 
a changed heart and life. In fact, James says that kind of faith is dead. As we read in verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Before we go any further, I want to make absolutely sure everyone understands one thing. James is not describing a step-by-step process by which a person goes from being spiritually dead, an unbeliever, to then being born again as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is what Paul has done in several of his letters. Both James and Paul would agree that a person brings no righteousness of their own or works to the equation when you become a child of God. Every child of God comes empty-handed with nothing to offer, and in repentance and faith cast themselves upon the mercy of Christ revealed in the gospel. But it's what happens next that James is specifically addressing. This born-again person who is a new creation in Christ Jesus will be changed, will show evidence of a changed heart and life through the outworking of their love. And works are not simply added to faith later. Faith and works are inseparably linked together. Faith will produce works. The unity of faith and works is described in verse 18. It says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. This third person is apparently saying they believe faith and works can be separated. But James answers this objection with the following challenge. Again, in verse 18, he says, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. With this reasoning, James depicts the error of claiming faith, claiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ without actually following Think back to when Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. In Matthew 9, verse 9, we read, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. How foolish would it have been for Matthew to respond merely with the words, simply responding with, Yes, I'll follow you but then keeping his seat at the tax booth, continuing to steal from his own countrymen, failing to get up and put feet to his faith as Christ was calling him to do. Instead, the reality of our faith is evidenced through the outworking of our love in daily life. As James says, I will show you my faith by my works. James continues to address his opponent's objections in verse 19. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. This concept of God being one was an essential of the Jewish belief system. It was part of the Shema, a prayer recited twice daily. The belief in one God is true and accurate. Their theology was correct on that point. Therefore, James says, you do well. But he immediately follows up his commendation with a warning. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Notice that James intentionally uses the word believe when describing the demons. We read in the Gospels that the demons both know and affirm the biblical narrative, the identity of the Christ, and the coming judgment. Yet they have refused their creator and rebelled against his reign. And James is saying that many people live life the same way, gladly affirming theological truth while remaining unaffected by it. Just as James warned in chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Having good theology, an accurate understanding about who God is and what he said about himself, is not sufficient for salvation. James continues his debate in verse 20, but he changes direction slightly. Instead of stating the issue at hand in the negative, faith without works is dead, James moves to show his opponent what true faith looks like. To show the outcome of being delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. It says in verse 20, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? This idea that Abraham, the patriarch of the nation of Israel, was justified by his works, by his obedience to God's command, may cause you a moment of concern. After all, the Apostle Paul uses the term justified or justification in his letters to describe God's act of declaring sinners righteous by grace through faith apart from works. This declaration happens instantly at the point when a person repents and believes in Jesus. It is at this very point that a person is declared righteous, delivered from the domain of darkness, and transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. However, when James uses the same word, he has a different meaning in mind. One commentator put it this way, Quote, when James speaks of being justified, he appears to be using the word in its more general sense of being vindicated or proved genuine and right before God and men. In face of possible doubt as to whether one was all that one professed or was said to be. For someone to be justified in this sense is for him to be shown a genuine believer, one who will demonstrate his faith by action. End of quote. This way of using the word justified was common in the Old and New Testaments. Even Jesus used the word justified in this sense of being vindicated or proved genuine before God and men. In Matthew 12, 37, we read that Jesus said, By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Thereby teaching that our words and actions betray the true condition of our hearts whether or not we're genuine. And in Matthew 11, he says that wisdom is justified by her deeds, implying that true wisdom will be vindicated in the end. In verse 21, James is saying that Abraham's faith was vindicated, proven genuine before God, himself, and other men when he obeyed willingly giving to God his Son, the Son of Promise. 
In verse 22, we read, You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. This verse is key to James' argument. He again is emphasizing the union between faith and works in the life of a genuine believer. And in this verse, we see that Abraham's faith, this example of genuine faith, was a faith that worked. It was not idle, useless, or dead. And the faith that Abraham had in God was completed by his works. It was brought to full maturity. It was perfected. James continues in verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. James references a passage, a passage in Genesis 15:6 where God makes the incredible promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in heaven. And the scriptures say that as, as Abraham stood there staring up at the night sky, that he believed the Lord. Because of his faith, the Lord declared Abraham to be accepted in his sight. And this faith was then fulfilled, vindicated, proven genuine, when Abraham obeyed God by offering up his son Isaac. In verse 24 we read, You see that a person is justified or vindicated, proven genuine, by works and not by faith alone. James now turns to face his audience, the church, and says, Can you see it now? The only way we can know and our brothers and sisters in Christ can know that we are true and genuine believers is if there are a genuine works of love and obedience flowing out of our faith. This is essential to the victorious Christian life because these works of love testify to our own hearts and give us confidence of our new birth in Christ. And the opposite is also true. If our works are shallow or far and few between, then we will be filled with doubts. Am I truly saved? Did I say the right words? Was I truly sorry enough when I repented of my sins? But if Christ-like acts of love are flowing out of my faith, then thoughts about my pathetic attempt at repentance and doubts about my lack of theological knowledge will be drowned in my awe that God would work through a sinner like me. These works of love and obedience are also essential because they vindicate our faith to others. Whether it be to the lost world or our brothers and sisters in Christ, they will know us by our love. As Jesus said to his disciples, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 13. Notice Jesus did not say, that all people will know that you're my disciples because you prayed a prayer. No, we know and people know that we are Christ's disciples because the old man of flesh was devastated by the mercy and grace of God. And we now walk in love for one another. 
In verse 25, James uses one more example to seal his argument. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Rahab was a pagan that lived in the city of Jericho, one of the cities that God would defeat before the children of Israel as they secured the promised land. But as Rahab heard about the miraculous works of Yahweh on behalf of his people, she believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God who delivered his people out of the land of Egypt. And when the opportunity presented itself for her to act on her faith, she protected the Israelite spies from discovery and smuggled them out of the city to safety. James says this act of aligning herself with the purpose and will of God vindicated her faith and proved her to be a genuine believer. In these two examples, James spreads his arms wide across the spectrum of human experience by showing his readers the, the faith of Abraham, the patriarch of the nation of Israel, one of their most elevated heroes of the faith. And then, in a shock twist, shows them the faith of Rahab, the immoral woman, the pagan. The point is simple. Across the entire human experience, from Abraham to Rahab, faith is vindicated, proved genuine by works. And faith without works is dead, as verse 26 says. As the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So what can we take away from this passage on the relationship between faith in works. Surely God desires more for us than that we simply walk out of here with a better head knowledge about the emptiness of faith without works. First, I would suggest that we look inward. Is my faith genuine? Is my profession of belief vindicated by an ever-growing love for God, love for others, and an obedience to God? Second, we should look outward. We all have friends, family members, or co-workers who claim to believe in God. They may even claim to believe in the God of the Bible and understand some theological truth. But has their profession of faith been matched with a radically changed heart and life? Do their works display their love for God and man? If not then take courage. The most loving, Christ-like thing you can do for them is to stop telling them they're a Christian. Stop assuring them of their salvation. Instead, evangelize them. Pray for their salvation. Show them your love and obedience to Christ and share with them the joy and hope you have in the Savior. Finally, my hope is to point your eyes upward as we glorify our God together. In this passage, we have seen that our God has changed every single one of his children. It is very clear from James' language 
that if you are a child of God, then you will evidence these good works. As Ephesians 2.10 states, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the scriptures, we see this beautiful union between God's declaration that we are his workmanship. He designed us for good works. It is his will that we walk in them. And then the ever-present call to live out your faith, to speak and act as those who are children of the King. Praise be to our God and Father that it is his will that we should grow to full maturity and into the likeness of his Son. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that these words in the book of James, that they would would impact us, Lord. Dear God, I pray that if we are having doubts about our salvation, that, that we wouldn't just continue living that way, that we would come before you in humility, begging you, Lord, to show us if we are in sin, to to show the deepest parts of our heart that we can give them over to you. And Lord, so that we can start living this type of, of, of works-filled faith, faith that is lived out in our life. God, I pray that we would not do any of these works simply to be seen by man, that this love would be genuine, would be a genuine outpouring from our faith. Help us, Lord. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our love for you and for others. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I fear my faith will
Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to side. When he comes at last. He will hold me fast, He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so.